Our Bible reading this evening is from John chapter 3. If you're looking at the church Bibles, it's on page 1082. And if you're looking on your phone, that's up to you. Okay, John chapter 3, 13, and we're starting at verse 33. And Jesus is saying, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now. Where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. Do not let your hearts be troubled, said Jesus. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? even after I've been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Thanks so much, Val. Well, hello again, long time no see. Um, like I said, my name is Callum. Do you have that Bible passage open in front of you? Um, it's really important that uh, you're looking at what the Bible says, not just listening to what I say. I could say anything. I'm an American. But we've been looking here in, in John's gospel over the weeks. Uh, John was one of the eyewitnesses, one of the close friends 
of, of Jesus. And in, here in John's gospel, it's getting near the end of Jesus' time on earth. And so the words that he shares uh, with his friends here in these passages is really important. It's some of the final things Jesus is saying before he goes. See the clever title? Not my title. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. And we see here, if you're um, a regular at Above Bar and you were here a couple weeks ago when Andrew uh, preached last time, you might have a keen eye and notice that we read a bit of the passage that actually Andrew preached on the week before. And the reason that is, is because it, it helps make sense of the bit I'm going to talk about now. So I'm really looking at chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. But verses 1 through 14 of chapter 14 continue on uh, from a conversation going on in chapter 13. And Jesus' followers, his disciples, his friends, are not happy. <laughs> you notice Jesus starts in verse 1 by saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. They're troubled. And what are they troubled about? If you look up verse 33 in chapter 13, my children, I'll be with you only a little longer. Jesus is leaving. And the disciples are panicking. Now, try and put yourself in the disciples' shoes. If, if you believe there is a God, and you believe this God promised that he would send someone who would rescue his people, rescue them from their sin, the greatest thing that blocks us from a relationship with God, the thing that blocks us from a relationship with God, and you believed you found that person, that Messiah, the person that God has sent, this person who makes it possible to know about God, to relate to God, who's going to bring change, who's going to bring justice, who's going to bring everything that you've been longing for, has finally come, you have found him, and he just said he's leaving now. I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty upset too. These guys have been following Jesus for three years now. They gave up everything to follow him. And he's heading out. See you later. They're confused. And it's in the middle of this conversation as Jesus explains to them that actually it's a really good thing I'm going that he says these incredible words in verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Mic drop, mind-blowing, set off the confetti cannons, play the dramatic music moment. We're going to talk more about what Jesus means by that. But I believe that verse is kind of the center of this whole uh, passage that we're looking at. And he says he's the way, the truth, and the life. And we have three sections, which is always very convenient when you're preaching and there's three, where Jesus talks about how he's the way, the truth, and the life. So buckle up, get your popcorn ready, let's dig in and see about Jesus and be ready to worship him. First of all, Jesus is the way. He's the way. Verse one, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I 
have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Jesus is saying he's going. He's going to the Father. You could say he's returning to heaven where the Father is. And it's interesting, isn't it? He describes heaven as a place with many rooms. Sometimes we think if we imagine or if we think about depictions of heaven in films and things like that as heaven is a place, um, lots of clouds, Morgan Freeman is there to greet you, it's a bit dull, it's a bit just an empty kind of void kind of place. But Jesus describes it as a home. It's a place you come home to and it's got many rooms. And Jesus is saying, he's going there. But he's going to bring them there too, later. But Thomas, one of the disciples, is confused by this. Because Jesus says, you know, you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas says, there's a big problem here, Jesus. We don't even know where you're going. So how could we possibly know the way? This would like me saying, okay, I'm going now. Um, I'm going to some location, but don't worry, you know how to get there. Well, you don't know where I'm going. How could you possibly know how to get there? It's, it's a fairly logical objection from Thomas because he doesn't get it. So Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And then Jesus says, I am the way. He's the way to the Father. He is the way to heaven. Now, that's a big, big statement, which is one of a list of probably 5,362 reasons why I think Jesus can't just be written off as a good teacher. Because just a good teacher doesn't say things like, I'm the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. We often think and we can get in such a, a turmoil about how do I know how to get to God? How do I know if I'm living a good enough life? How do we, would God just make himself clear in this crazy universe I'm living in? How can I possibly know if I've made it to God? Is there a God even? And we think about it sometimes as an image of like many paths up a mountain and, and, and oh, uh, am I on the right path? And, Will all these paths lead to the top of the mountain? And Jesus is saying, look, you're trying to figure out all these different ways. How can I get to God? God has come to you in Jesus. You don't have to find out. You don't have to Google Maps. You don't have to ask for directions. He's come to you. Jesus is claiming to be God in human flesh, and he, he says that again and again throughout the Gospels. He says it again in chapter 14, and we'll come to that in a second. He's saying, I am the way. I am the way. Now, you might have a major objection to that. Jesus saying, I'm the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, isn't that very arrogant to claim to be the way, the only way to God? Isn't that kind of wrong? Some people would say that in the past, but no, we're, we're much more enlightened, we're much more accepting, we, we accept that there are many ways to God. 
Well, it's not that crazy a thing to believe if you believe Jesus is telling the truth. If you take Jesus at his word, he certainly believes he's the way to God. So then the question is, well, test him. Are his claims true? Is Jesus really the Son of God? Did Jesus really die on the cross for our sins? Did Jesus really rise from the grave three days later? These are things you can investigate for yourself. Does Jesus really change lives? You might want to come to say, I don't know, an Alpha course that's starting this Wednesday uh, to investigate more. But sometimes the objection, you know, is, is it's not really right to say one way is the correct way that's a bit arrogant. It's, it's, it's better to say there are many ways. And one of the classic examples uh, to illustrate this idea is the idea of the blind men and the elephant. Got a lovely elephant here. Lovely. The story goes there were blind men, and they approached an elephant. One blind man uh, felt the elephant's trunk and said, an elephant is like a snake. But another blind man had gone up and felt uh, the elephant's leg. Said, no, you idiot. The elephant's like a tree. Another blind man kind of stumbled upon the tusk, which is not a great thing to stumble upon, really. Felt it and said, no, you guys are both wrong. An elephant is like a spear. And they went on and on and they argued on and on, but actually they were all feeling the same elephant. So they're all right in their own ways. And this is the illustration for religions and, and philosophies. They're all claiming a bit of the truth. None of them has the way. But there's actually a really ironic problem with this story, which is who is telling this story? Who has this view of the elephant and everyone else is blind and can only feel bits of it, but I can see the whole elephant? Do you see how arrogant, actually, that claim actually becomes? In trying to be, no, it's very arrogant to claim one way, so here's a lovely illustration that shows uh, a nice accepting way. It's actually saying, you're all idiots, you're all blind, and I can see the whole truth. It, it doesn't work. But what if God was not an elephant? <laughs> but actually came into this world as a human being, who we could get to know his character, what he's like, what his heart is like, but we could also investigate actually in history. What if we don't have to search around and, 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 and have so much existential crisis over how do I find God? What if God's already found you? Jesus says, I am the way. But he doesn't stop there. I am the way and the truth. The way and the truth. So look at verse, uh, sorry, verse 7. If you really know me, says Jesus, you'll know my Father as well. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Jesus is saying he's the truth. He's the truth. You, you can know the truth about God through him. If you really know me, you know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. That's a real encouragement, actually. Just think about that. Whether you're a Christian or not, if you sometimes wonder what is God like, 
If there is a God, does he love me? Jesus is saying, if you want to know what God's character is like, what he's like when he engages with human beings, look no further than me. God is willing to send his own son to die for you. God is a God, instead of using his power just to, I don't know, randomly throw lightning bolts at people, who washes his friend's feet and serves. This is what God is like. This is the truth about God. Philip is confused, though. The disciples are still not fully getting it. I sympathize with them. So Philip says, verse 8, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. (laughs) You can almost hear Jesus' exasperation as he continues to patiently teach his disciples But Philip's excited. Just show us. If you just showed us the Father one time. And how many people, I mean, let's be honest, we've prayed or thought, if God would just like to show himself in the cloud just one time, just one time, that would be great. Any others? Wow, you're a really trusting, either that or you really just don't think about God that much. I don't know. Um, I was expecting more hands. But yes, Beth Devonish, air high five. Show yourself. And that's kind of what Philip is saying. Just show us the Father. Of course, Jesus has just said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Jesus is revealing God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus and the Father so intertwined that you can look at Jesus and know what the Father is like. He's not saying he is the Father, but he's saying you can look at him and know the Father. The Father is in me, as I am in the Father. That's in verse 10. And he speaks not with just his own authority, but he's doing his Father's work. If you want to know the truth about God, Look no further than Jesus. But again, you could say, well, that is just really wrong to claim. And actually, and I take this seriously, this is a really uh, serious thing in our culture today. You can point to so much abuse in this world when people have claimed the truth. Truth has often been used to, to subdue people, to, to keep them down, to abuse people whether it's, it's religious um, organizations or, or, or government, the truth can be used with great power. So it's with a, a, a kind of reaction to that and, a, and, a, and an instinctive move away from that to then say, well, you have your truth, I have my truth. It's all, it's all equal. There isn't one truth 
It's all subjective. In fact, I've been um, at uh, Southampton Solent Freshers Fair this week, and um, two really interesting things. One, we surveyed 400 Solent students, uh, and one of the last questions on the survey was if your friend invited you to church, would you go? Seven out of 10 said yes. Invite people to real lives next week. Invite people to church generally. It's a good thing. But the second one um, was on questions of morality. Um, they would often say, no, 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 there's no, there's no ultimate truth. There's only just, it's, it's all subjective. And when I asked them more about that, it usually came down to, well, I don't know, even if a person mugged me after I leave this freshers fair today, you know, they might have, you know, I don't know what's going on in their life. They might have be going through a hard time. There'd be a lot of things where I can't just say, well, that's completely wrong. I don't know their whole story. And that's kind of a really good instinct in a way of it is, there is always something going on in every human being. There is a lot wrong with this world. But I still would say, me personally, still I would say stealing is not the right decision, not the right thing. And as we talked about this more, started saying like, okay, so you think it's subjective, then I don't know, let's just, you know, kind of a, a genocide happens. It's not really wrong, it's just subjectively wrong. And they're like, no, 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 well, not on that level, that's definitely wrong. And it, we get ourselves in a bit of a bind because we don't want to be kind of abusing others and claiming the truth, and yet we all instinctively know there is truth. One of the great philosopher minds of, of the world uh, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche basically claimed there was no truth. And the funny thing is, when you say there is no truth, you're making a truth statement. So you're saying it's true that there's no truth. So then you've contradicted yourself and we're going in circles. We can't avoid truth. And I don't say that just to, you know, this is a fun little mind games going on. Truth is quite evident in our world. But it gets a little scary when we start saying there's truth about God that can be known. And then that means there are certain things that are not true as well about God. Well, what do we do? Well, the first thing is to say that I think truth is worth believing because it's true, whether it's uncomfortable or comfortable. We can't shy away from truth. That'd be a bit like saying, well, I know people say I shouldn't step into this fire because it will burn me, but I don't really like claiming, you know, to, that there's only one thing that fire is going to do me, do me if I step into it, so I'm going to step into it anyway um, because that's what I think is more comfortable. Well, it's not going to be comfortable for very long. But the thing is, in Jesus, if this is what God is like, we see he is claiming, I am the way to the Father. I am the truth. No one can come unto the Father except through me, very narrow. And yet we also see his invitation is as wide as his arms stretched out on a cross dying for all of us. His invitation is to everyone, come as you are. All are welcome at my table if you put your trust in me. And in that very example of Jesus on the cross, this is how he uses his power. This is the one who is the truth. And does he use it to abuse, to, to manipulate, to beat people about? No. 
He lays his life down so that people can know the way, the truth, and the life. You will never see anyone in this world as beautiful as Jesus, as good as Jesus, as worthy of following as Jesus. Yes, it's very uncomfortable, the idea that Jesus is the way, the truth. But he is worth it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and Jesus is the life. He goes on in verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they'll do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. Jesus is saying, I think, a true life lived for God is one, well, true life is living for God. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, what in the world exactly does that mean? We're going to do even greater things than the Father? I mean, than Jesus? Does that mean, okay, uh, so we should be able to feed 6,000 people with five loaves and two fish because Jesus fed 5,000. Uh, Jesus walked on water, so we should be able to walk in thin air. Um, I think not. I don't think that's what Jesus means. I think the key to understanding what does Jesus mean when he says that we'll do, uh, whoever believes in him will do works he's been doing and will do even greater things than these is at the very end, because I am going to the Father. This reminder again that Jesus is leaving. He's going to the cross. He's going to rise again. And then he's going to ascend to the Father. So we'll do even greater things than these because he's going to the Father. So it's because of his death and resurrection and ascension that we can do even greater things. Now, there's a couple things I think Jesus is saying about this. And one of them is that Jesus was in one human body. He could be at one place at one time in his time on earth, yeah? We're going to see in two weeks' time as we continue on in Jesus' sharing, Jesus is leaving, but someone else is coming. <laughs> Third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. He's in every person who puts their trust in Jesus. He can be all over the place. I can talk to God, and you can talk to God at the same time. It's pretty cool. With Jesus, we had to queue to talk to him, yeah? All of us with the Spirit, all of us working to serve to Jesus, primarily things he did while he was on earth, was taught about God, and he went to the cross. And since Jesus ascended, the church has been spreading and growing, there are billions of Christians, and there have been billions of Christians over the years. The church has grown. From what Jesus has started, it's exploded. You could say in some ways we've done even greater things. Cumulatively. But also, I think, what is the primary thing of Jesus going to the cross and rising again? It's so that we could have a relationship with God. It's so that our sin could be dealt with. 
that there could be justice and also mercy. It's so that human hearts could actually be changed from dead and stone to alive in Christ. And I think Jesus is saying, even one person becoming a Christian, as the Apostle Paul put it, being transferred from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his Son, whom he loves and whom there's redemption and the forgiveness of sins, one heart being transformed and saved is a greater miracle than the feeding of the 5,000 or walking on water. Jesus claimed that we didn't just need, um, he didn't come just to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. So you can look at yourself in a way and say, gosh, I'm a miracle if I'm a Christian. And every time someone comes to faith, That is an incredible miracle. And I think that's what Jesus wants us to pray for as well. And we've been praying for Alpha, we've been praying for real lives. To be praying for our neighbors and our friends and our colleagues and our course mates. For that incredible miracle that we get to play a part in as we share the good news about Jesus. Jesus is leaving the disciples here so that he can go to the cross. And he can go to the Father, and the Holy Spirit can come. And he's saying, a life actually lived for him, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, is the true life worth living. That's real life. Interestingly, we think about searching for the way as being all of life. Life's journey is trying to find out the truth about me, about God, about life. He's saying, no, I've come to you. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. True life, when you really start living, is when you know me and live for me. That's when life begins. So as I finish, I want to encourage you. Have you ever actually investigated, have you ever investigated Jesus? Have you ever looked at Jesus in the Bible, and taken him at his word. It can be uncomfortable, his claim to be the way, the truth, and the life. But what if he's right? Give him a chance. Maybe come to Alpha. Read the Bible, and instead of immediately dismissing with your objections, give him a chance. Because if he is the way, the truth, and the life, that changes everything, and it's so good. And if you are already a Christian, worship him. This is incredible. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So as the band comes up, I'm going to to pray for us. Let's pray, let's respond to him now. Father, thank you so much that we can know the way, the way to you, and his name is Jesus. Thank you that we can know the truth, the truth about you, and we can see it in Jesus. And thank you that we can have life, real life in you, and it comes through trusting in Jesus.
help us to trust you now. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.